Lord, we thank you again for bringing us here this morning and for this opportunity we have to be with you, to seek you. And Lord, as we come before you, we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sins, Lord. Cleanse us, God. Make us right before you as we enter into your presence and find this time to just connect with you. Lord, I pray that you would minister to our hearts and change us today, that we would be different from how we walked in, Lord, that we would go out of here, Lord, touched by your Spirit, filled by your Spirit, God, and change into the men and women of God you want us to be. So, Lord, we give you this time. We ask for your anointing, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one Sunday morning, the pastor noticed little Alex staring up at a large plaque that hung in the foyer of the church. It had just been Memorial Day, so here's this plaque. It was covered with names and then framed with small American flags mounted on either side of it. The seven-year-old boy had been staring at the plaque for some time, so the pastor walked up, stood beside him, said, Good morning, Alex. Good morning, pastor, replied Alex. Then Alex asked, Pastor, what, what is this? Well, the pastor said, well, it's a memorial to all the men and women who died in the service. Soberly, they stood together staring at the large plaque. Finally, little Alex spoke, barely audible, trembling with fear. He asked the ba- pastor, Pastor, uh, which service? The 8.30 or the 10.30? Well, there's some confusion in what went on in church, right, with the little boy. Well, as we return to our study in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses the confusion that was going on in the worship in the Corinthian church. The issue really was their overemphasis on tongues and the underemphasis of the other gifts of the Spirit, namely prophecy. So I titled our message this morning, Prophecy, Tongues, and the Worship Service. I know it's a little long, but that's what this chapter really covers. Prophecy, Tongues, and the Worship Service. Now, we're going to only do part one today. Next time will be part two. So our outline today is, number one, concern for edification. Number two, concern for comprehension. Next time, we're going to go on to number three, concern for the unbeliever. And number four, concern for keeping the order. But here we are, part one of chapter 14, 1 Corinthians. We're going to be studying verses 1 through 19 this morning. Prophecy, tongues, and the worship service. So let's begin here with number one in our outline, concern for edification. Concern for edification. Take a look with me here now. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. While we begin here with Paul writing that The Corinthian believers, they should, right away, verse 1, pursue love. The word pursue in in the Greek means to chase intensely. And so love basically is to be the main thing in all that they do. Pursue love, chase that intensely, get that in your life. And then the next thing he writes, and this is the next thing, is to desire spiritual gifts. It's a good thing to desire the gifts of the Spirit because it's, that's how we minister to one another. Now, as we get into this first part of verse 1, this actually connects us to the last two chapters. Now, if you missed it, you can grab the CDs. And there were several messages as we went through chapter 12 and 13. Pursue love, the first thing Paul writes, is connecting us to chapter 13. Remember, chapter 13 was all about agape love, right? We spent many messages on that. And then to desire spiritual gifts, that connects us to chapter 12, where Paul talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Matter of fact, we ended chapter 12 with these very words, earnestly desire yeah, the spiritual gifts. So Paul here is continuing on 
as he's dealing with the problems of the worship in the Corinthian church. From chapter 11, we saw he's been, he's been correcting carnal attitudes and the selfish and prideful misuse of the gifts of the Spirit. But he went into chapter 13 talking about, you know what, the, the main thing, though, is not so much the gifts, but the gifts underneath all that has to be agape Love And that's what really matters spiritually. Remember the Corinthian believers felt like, well, I have the gift of tongue, so I'm way more spiritual than you. But Paul says, no, you know what makes you spiritual is to have agape love. So now as we come into chapter 14, Paul comes back to the issue at hand. And that's their fixation. That's their focus. That, that's their obsession, basically, overemphasis, really, of the gift of tongues. So as we get into verse 1 here, Paul's saying, hey, desire to gifts, that's great. But you know what? Pursue love. And notice he puts that first. Pursue love first. It's been said, keep the main thing the main thing, right? And what's the main thing? Paul puts out again in verse 1. That's love, agape love. And I think that's a word for us even right away. Pursue love right now. Pursue love this morning. Keep that the main thing thing well then he goes on in verse one at the end he says now hey pursue love desire to give but especially now especially he says that you may prophesy especially seek to prophesy especially seek that gift the gift of prophecy now you remember we've gone over this before but the gift of prophecy is when god gives this special word or a prediction to a person to say it becomes a message to someone else, or it's a message to the church. So Paul's like, hey, if there's any gift to desire, of course, keep the main thing, love, pursue love. But if there's any gift to desire, you know what? Seek to prophesy. I was thinking about that. In a small prayer meeting, a word of prophecy was given to uh, Pastor Chuck Smith. The message was, hey, the Lord is changing your name to mean shepherd, for God is going to make you a shepherd of many flocks. This was way back, I think, in the mid-60s. Later, there was another word of prophecy given to this dying church at a prayer meeting they were at. There was about 12 people there, and they, this dying church was called Calvary Chapel. And the word of prophecy came that, Chuck would be their pastor and that God would bless the church, that they would be on the radio, that it would become overcrowded and it would be known throughout the world. Well, in the late 60s, that church that Pastor Chuck took over exploded into a revival, which we know today is called the Jesus Movement. And now at this time, there today there is over like 1,800 Calvary chapels uh, nationally and in the world. And you know what? We're here today. This church, Upcountry Calvary Chapel, we're here because of what God did. And so we are even a very part of that prophecy that was given. So Paul's like, prophecy, if there's any gift that's important, hey, seek to prophesy. Now, why would Paul say that? Why would he say, seek that gift of prophecy? Why especially, he writes, that? Why not especially seek out the gift of tongues? And that's like what the Corinthian believers thought was way better. They thought that was the gift really to attain and to have. Why is that? Why prophecy? Well, take a look at verse 2. Paul goes on and he says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So Paul now is is handling now this issue that's been going on in the church. Now, the reason to seek the gift of prophecy instead of the gift of tongues is because in the setting of the worship at church, prophecy is way more better, way more beneficial to other people. That's what he's going to talk about. Well, he says here, look, when one speaks in a tongue, what, it's not 
for others, right? He does not speak to men, but to who? To God. We know tongues, right, is, is your personal prayer language. It's, it, it, matter of fact, the gift of tongues is praying, and it could be singing even in that, that language. We're going to see that later. But the gift of tongues is praying or singing in a language unknown to the receiver and mostly to others. And so that's why Paul says then, you know what, no one understands. And so it is a mystery here, he says in verse 2. So Paul's saying, in other words, you know, the gift of tongues, it's not really for others to receive from, but it's a special prayer directed to God, right? The gift of tongues, we know, is that prayer language. It's, it's the Holy Spirit giving you this ability. It's the Holy Spirit praying even through you to the Lord. Romans 8, chapter, uh, Romans 8, verse 26, it says, The Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the gift of tongues is really not speaking to men, as Paul says. It's directed to the Lord. It's prayer. It's praise, it's singing, it's, it's, it's going before the Lord in this unknown language to the receiver, to the one who's given this gift of tongues, and it's directed to the Lord. You know, I think about Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and baptized, right, those people were praying in the upper room, the apo disciples, apostles. And the Holy Spirit came and gifted the believers with tongues. And you remember what happened? The Jews from different countries heard these Galileans speaking in their own language, and they're like, whoa, verse 11, two, chapter 2 says, we hear them speaking in our own tongues. What? The wonderful works of God. What did they hear? They heard the gift of tongues, praising the Lord, magnifying God, giving Him glory. It was prayer. It was praise that was going on. Notice, they were giving praise to God, not giving a message to the people. Now, later, Peter stood up and spoke, right, a message to the people. But the tongues that were given by the Holy Spirit, it was directed to who? God. It's not like I was thinking, sometimes there's some interpretations I've heard that, so well, though, thus says the Lord, right? No, Paul's saying, no, tongues is speaking to God, not to men. And sometimes I wonder, why is it always in the old King James, right? <laughs> All right, but in contrast now, Paul goes on, two tongues. Paul says in verse 3, he who prophesies, what? Speaks edification. The word that means there to build up, to strengthen. He speaks exhortation, or better, I think, a better translated encouragement. And he speaks comfort to who? To men, to people. So prophecy now, in contrast to tongues, prophecy is a special message from God in order to build up the body, to build up the church, to strengthen the people spiritually. Tongues is us communicating to God, but prophecy is God communicating to us. Paul is clearly teaching this here. So look at verse 4. Paul then adds, He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. In other words, Paul's saying, you know, tongues touches you personally. And it does, yeah? It does. The, the gift of tongues and you're praying in that way, it touches you. you. A miracle is going on between you and the Lord and the Holy Spirit. But prophecy touches the whole church. The NLT translates this verse this way. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Uh, think about it this way. The gift of tongues is like a personal pan pizza. Yeah? It, it feeds only one, right? But prophecy is like the extra large pizza. Everyone gets a slice. I know that's kind of dumb, but it helps my mind to understand what's going on here, right? So Paul is saying, hey, you, you know, tongues, us communicating to God. Prophecy, God communicating to us. Tongues touches us personally, but hey, 
prophecy touches the whole church. Then, verse 5, Paul says this, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So Paul's wish is that, well, I wish everyone could speak in tongues. I wish, uh, in other words, I'm not down on tongues. I'm not, I'm not putting it a, a, aside. I'm not like the cessationist I would call today, you know, who says, well, the gifts aren't for today, right? I talked about that a, a, a while back. But, hey, no, he's not down on tongues. Ma tongues. Matter of fact, he wishes that everyone would speak in tongues. But as we learn in 1 Corinthians 12, 10, and verse 30, not everyone is given that gift, right? Everyone has different gifts. So Paul's like, you know, my art is I wish everyone could experience that with that Lord, with the Lord, that personal touch. I desire everyone could experience praying in the spirit with the gift of tongues. I was thinking about something what Pastor Chuck said. He wrote, the gift of tongues is the gift whereby God enables us to communicate to him in the spirit. And then he said, bypassing the narrow channel of our intellect. I like that because, because I, we can only say and do so much. Matter of fact, Chuck says, so often we find that words are inadequate to express our feelings that rise from the spirit. So it, it's, it's like words cannot express in our prayer or praise to the Lord how we feel, what we're crying out to. And then the spirit comes and gives us that, that gift, that tongue to pray to the Lord and through the Spirit we can express in our prayer language to the Lord. So Paul's like, hey, I wish everyone could experience that and that wonderful moment, that miracle that happens that when you're with the Lord. But Paul says, not everyone, they do, but if there's one gift I wish everyone had, that is that they prophesied. And, and what's he saying about prophecy? He said, it is greater than tongues. Why is that? Well, because of what he just said. Because prophecy affects the whole body. Prophecy edifies the church, builds up the church. And then he says, well, that is, he puts a little qualifier here at the end of verse 5, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Unless someone interprets the tongue, unless there's a gift of interpretation of the tongue, then the body is edified. Then they understand what was said. Then that builds up, edifies the church. Now, the gift of interpretation is when God gives that translation of that tongue that was just spoken. And they give that translation so everyone could understand what was prayed or what was praised in that. So in a church setting, and we're going to see more of this next time, there must be an interpretation given after the tongue spoken. So you know what was said with that tongue. So then knowing what was prayed in tongue, it can be very encouraging. But without it, what? There's no benefit, right, to the body, to the church. So here's what Paul is saying. Basically, in the church service, have a concern about edification. Seek the gift of prophecy over the gift of tongues in that church setting. In the church service, have a concern for edification. Seek the gift of prophecy over the gift of tongues. Now, remember, keep in mind the background, right? Keep in mind that the Corinthian believers, they're all about tongues. And that was tongues was the thing to do, to, to just say your tongue and pray your tongue and say it out loud during the church service. And it was getting crazy. It was confusing. But Paul said, hey, does that really edify the body? Well, if there's interpretation, yeah. But in a church service, have concern for edification. You know what's better? Seek to get the prophecy. Because then you can understand what's going on. Seek that. Have the people be encouraged, edified, comforted with the gift of prophecy. So seek to get the prophecy over the gift of tongues. Right? That's more better. It's logical. It makes sense. I was thinking about one time, uh, years ago, this visitor asked me, for directions to the mall. We were at Walmart, so I, I told him, okay, I, in my mind, when I explain things, I could picture it, you know, the road. So I just explained, okay, pull out here, 
Then turn left on Derry Road. This is before the airport road and everything. Then turn right on Punene, right? And then go through, go through Wakea, go through Kamehameha, and then when you get to Kaahumanu, turn, make that left, and right there, you know, go down a little bit, the mall will be there on their left. Well, he, after I finished, he stood there with this blank face, you know, and his eyes are like, like this, so, you know, and then I realized, oh, this visitor, this tourist, that all the Hawaiian names meant like nothing to them. And so before he walked away, he just simply said, ah, oh, never mind, <laughs> right? Well, in the same sense, Paul's saying, you know, desire prophecy for tongues really doesn't help the other person. Remember, these Corinthians, they were into themselves. Their concern was for self, not others. Their concern for, was, well, I'm so spiritual, I can speak in tongues, right? Paul is saying, hey, wait, wait, oh, hold on here. It's great, you know, I wish everyone spoke in tongues. Tongues is great. But Paul's correcting them to say, in the church service, have a concern for edification. Rather than the tongues, you know what, seek the gift of prophecy, you know what's sad is, is, is that when a church uses tongues for a church of spirituality, when believers going, go around making they, them feel, uh, others feel less than, than those who do not speak in tongues. Paul's saying, you can't do that. You can't do that. You want to build people up? Then prophesy. Don't go around. Don't do speaking tongues, making that a badge of your spirituality and making other people feel less, tearing them down. No, in the church service, have a concern for what? Edification to help the body. So you know what's better? With the gifts, when you're exercising the gift, hey, seek to get the prophecy over the gift of tongues. I was thinking about this too. Do we do the same? Maybe you have the gift of tongues. Maybe you, you think you're more spiritual. It, it, and you know, when God does something in your life, something like that, it, 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 you feel like, wow, Lord, you used me. Wow, Lord, you're, you're moving upon me. Wow. And, 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 you know, and sometimes in our flesh we think, oh, we've made it. Yeah, we've attained. Or, or maybe we're serving in this place. Or maybe, you know, but is that really what we're supposed to do with the gifts? Right? Gifts are to minister to the body. Gifts are to what? To build the body up, to minister, to be used by God. And sometimes, whether it's a gift or you're serving in a ministry or even you discovered something in the Word and the Lord has spoken to you, sometimes you start thinking that you're something and you start thinking less of others. But that's not what we're learning here, right? What we're learning here that God's heart is to build up one another, not tear down. James 1, 1.26 says, and this is the NLT, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Proverbs 25.11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. So a, a word that is understandable, that does, does huge things than just speaking in, in tongues and no one can understand you. So Paul clearly is saying, hey, in the church service, have a concern for edification. So seek the gift of prophecy over the gift of tongues. Corinthian believers were so caught up in their old pride. You know what? They didn't care, right, what others were feeling. They didn't care about their criticizing. They didn't care, well, you don't have tongues, how that would tear other people and crush them. There was no concern for edification. Let's think about that for a moment. Just that one thought. Are we concerned, yeah, for the other person? Are we building them up or tearing them down? I mean, is that you, like the Corinthian believers? No concern about how you say something or, or what you say or how it affects others? Is it more maybe about doing your thing, yeah? Pushing your thing, yeah? Pushing your ministry or pushing where you're serving. Maybe it's not about tongues at all. Maybe, maybe it's about, oh, yeah, see, I, I do this and I need to do this and you're no good, you know, kind of thing. 
Are, are we pushing ourselves in that, that way? What Paul start this out with? Pursue love, yeah? Pursue love. First thing, keep the main thing the main thing. And when we're like that, where is that love and care? Where is that compassion? Where is that idea of edification? That's what's really important. On a bitter cold evening in North Virginia many years ago, an elderly man's body grew numb and stiff as he stood waiting for a ride in the winter frost. Several riders had come by already, but this man allowed them to pass with any, without any effort to get their attention for help. When finally the old man caught the next rider's eye, he asked them, this rider, Sir, would you mind giving an old man a ride to the other side? While reining his horse, the rider replied, Sure thing, hop on board. And the horseman dismounted and helped the old man onto the horse and then took him across the river a few miles away. When dropping him off at his house, the horseman asked, You know, I noticed you let other riders pass by without saying anything to get a ride. Then I came and you immediately asked me for a ride. Why did you wait for me? Why did you ask me? Well, the old man looked the rider straight in the eyes and said, I looked into the eyes of the other riders and immediately saw there was no concern for me in my situation. When I looked into your eyes, I saw kindness and compassion. I knew then and there you would help me. Well, the rider was very touched with those words and told him, well, I'm never going to forget that. He got on this horseman. He got back on his horse. And Thomas Jefferson rode back to the White House. <laughs> Amazing, yeah? May you and I never be concerned more about our status or what we're into, our position, even our ministry, but may we be concerned and have compassion for the needs of others. Well, let's go on to number two now. Concern for comprehension. Concern for comprehension. We're in this chapter about prophecy, tongues, and the worship service, and, and we've seen number one, concern for edification. Now, Paul goes on deeper in this, and he brings out concern for comprehension. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6, and this is the rest of our section here. But now, Paul writes, Brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? So Paul goes on here bringing these issue, this issue up with tongues and prophesying. And, and he goes, you know, if I were to come to you speaking in tongues, what's it going to profit you? I mean, I mean what, what's it going to really benefit you? I mean, there's no benefit Really, unless I speak, now he says, unless I speak to you either by revelation. Revelation is what the apostles received from the Lord. They were revealed the truths and principles of God, and that's what they wrote, and that's what we have in our New Testament. So if I come to you, I come by revelation, well, this message, this word of God, yeah, the word of God, you know, if I speak in tongues, What's, what does that benefit you? You can't understand. But I come to you sharing God's word. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to understand that. Or by knowledge, or by prophesying, or I like this, by teaching. And what's that? Teaching the word of God, teaching the principles of God, teaching you what they are and what the truths are. So Paul's basically like, hey, without understanding of what is being said, there's no real help for spiritual growth. Proverbs 3.13 says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. I mean, that's what makes a difference in our lives, right? You hear the word of God and that's how we get faith, Paul says in Romans. It's understanding what we're sp being spoken to with, with what we're given, right? Understanding. Now, as Paul goes on in verse 7, he's going to give three examples on how understanding what is given is important. Look at verse 7. Even things without life, whether flute or heart, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sound, how will it be known what is piped or played? So here's the first example that Paul is giving on the importance of understanding something. And he, he's, his example is a musical instrument. A musical instrument. He's saying, say a flute, you know, 
I can't do a flute. But a harp, you know, a harp. When they're making their sound, unless they play their notes with distinction, how do you know what song is being piped or played? You don't know what's going on, right? So as a musical instrument, yeah, it has to have some distinction. It has to have some melody or some notes being played, or, or you don't know what's going on. I mean, I was, I was thinking about, hey, what if... Um, you know, Kaika and Jasmine's little boy, you know, Joshua, went up to the piano. And what, what if he just started playing it? I, I could picture him playing, bam, 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 right? Like that. We wouldn't say, wow, he can play shout to the Lord right there, right? No, there's no distinction. We wouldn't know what's going on. We wouldn't understand what is trying to be portrayed or put forth there. Then Paul says in verse 8, For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So here's the second example Paul brings out. First was the musical instrument. The second one is the trumpet call. The trumpet call. Now, back then there was no walkie-talkies. You know, there's no radios. No, there's no little, you know, messaging, all of that. So instructions for the army came from the sound of a trumpet, right? Retreat, charge, attack. And Paul says, hey, if, if it makes an uncertain sound, like what, what is that, you know, how will you know if you should prepare for battle? I like one pastor that said, is the bugler blowing a charge or signaling a retreat? If soldiers can't tell, the army is destined for defeat. I like that thought because it's saying with this, if we don't understand what God is saying, right, we're going to be defeated. If we don't understand the truth of the word of God, if we're not taught and we don't understand what's in our hands, the Bible, we're going to be defeated. And then verse 9, he kind of puts it together saying, so likewise you, unless you utter, that's speak, uh, by the tongue, words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. So he's saying, look, in the same way, if you speak in tongues, like in a language that people don't uh, understand, well, you might as well be speaking into the air. You might as well be speaking into empty space, you know, no one there. You know, it, it's like you carry a conversation and no one's really listening there, right? Or you can't make out. It's like, what's going on? I was thinking about, remember on Charlie Brown cartoons, yeah? And the t whenever the teacher speaks, it's wah, 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 I'm thinking, what's she saying? Right? You know, you, you don't know what's going on. Verse 10. Then he goes on. He says, there are, there are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, verse 11, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. So this is the third example. We had the musical instruments, the trumpet call, and the third example is foreign languages. Paul is saying, hey, there's many kinds of languages all over in the world. I, I did a little search, Google search, and uh, uh, some were saying there's about 6,500 languages in this world. Some are a little bit higher, close to 7,000. So there's a lot of languages in the world. Do you know what the, uh, the, the language that is spoken by most people? It's, it's uh, Chinese, Mandarin. But I was thinking, well, yeah, because there's a lot of Chinese, more Chinese people yeah, in the world. Well, Paul's saying there's many kind of languages in the world. And, and he says, you know, it's without significance. In other words, each language is really important because that's what they speak. But Paul says, if I don't know that language, if I don't know the meaning of the words, then I'm a foreigner to that. And they're a foreigner to what I speak. You don't understand it, right? I have to tell you the story. A French man and this American man were traveling on this ship on their voyage across the Atlantic. And at lunch, they sat down together, and this fresh French man raised his glass and said, Bon appetit! And the American replied, Johnson! Neither of them knew what they were saying to each other. And after then, they sat down for dinner, and the same exchange happened. The Frenchman said, Bon appetit! And the American man said, Johnson! Well, the waiter told the American that the French man wasn't like greeting in his name 
And then you say your name back. But the French man was actually saying, I hope you enjoy your meal. So the next day, the American man found the French man, sat down, and right before they ate, the man held up his, the, the uh, American man held up his glass and said, Bon appetit. And so the French man replied, Johnson. <laughs> I like that one. I had to tell you that one. <laughs> but it's confusing, right? If you don't understand. So Paul goes on, verse 12. Even so you, or in the same way, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for edification of the church that you seek to excel. Since, since you're into the gifts, since you want the gifts to be exercised in the worship service, and then you know what? Go for the ones that are edifying, that, that build up the church. In other words, that are understandable, that p can help people, not this I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what she's saying. That kind of thing. He's saying excel in that. Make that important to what you're doing. In other words, do all you can to be a help by making sure you're understandable when you're ministering the gifts. So verse 13, Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So the idea he here is, okay, even if you do speak in tongues in the worship service, pray that the, that the Lord gives an interpretation to that, that would edify the body. No. It is possible to have both the utterance of the tongue and the interpretation of it. You, you see this here. It is possible for the Lord to give both. Usually in a service, usually in a worship time or a prayer time like this, and someone gives a tongue, there has to be an interpretation. Again, we'll see more next time in what Paul puts up. So Paul's saying, hey, if, we, if you have to speak in tongues, if the Lord prompts you to do that, and God will do that sometimes, yeah, pray that there will be an interpretation. And again, he explains, you know, if I pray in my tongue, my spirit's praying, and, but my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, I don't even understand what I'm saying. Back in um, 1 Corinthians 12, you know, when we were going over the gifts of the Spirit, I mentioned how wonderful it is to, to really experience these miracles going on, a word of knowledge or wisdom or, you know, tongues or, or a word of prophecy and things that, that go on, you know, people being healed even and, and all those things. It's, it's, it's because miracles are happening right then. And so, you know, if you've ever been in that afterglow or sometimes they call it a believer's meeting, it, it's just, it's like, whoa, it's amazing. Well, think about Paul saying, hey, Pray, he says, you know, pray that he may interpret. Pray there's interpretation. If God prompting you to speak in tongues and pray that, you know what, that there's interpretation that's going to happen. And if you think about it, that means if God is prompting you to speak your uh, uh, tongues, right, to have a word in a tongue, right, and God's telling you, then it's a step of faith, right, because you're trusting that God will have an interpretation after you're done with the tongue during that worship. So I like this because it really, really puts us into faith, you know, in this mode of stepping out in trust. If God's prompting you to do that, then you know God's going to have interpretation because this is how he works and this is what Paul is laying out here in the worship service. Well, more of that next time. He really gets into the nitty-gritty of how to do a service. Verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. So he's going on, Paul, here. You know, if God's prompting you, hey, you know, with tongues, if tongues is something God's going to bring into service, you know, my, my heart is, hey, I, I, I will pray with the Spirit, but even at the same time, I'll, I'll pray with understanding. Yeah, if I, can, I can do both. And I will sing with the Spirit. So I could sing in, in tongues, but I also will sing with understanding. I can still, you know, go and exercise what God will want me to do, whether it's in the tongue or whether it's in the language that we are all know. Verse 16, otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the 
uninformed, say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say. For you indeed, indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So, so it's important to have the interpretation. Most of the time, hey, I'm praying, you know, in our language we understand. In our, for us, it would be our English, right? Most of the time, you'll be singing and worshiping the Lord in that way. But sometimes the Lord prompts that way. But there has to be interpretation. And if there isn't, Paul's saying, otherwise, you know, say you bless in the Spirit. Or you're speaking in tongues and you, you're, you're blessing the Lord. You're praising Him. How is He, he says, who occupies the place of the uninformed, like who doesn't understand this tongue, how can they say, Amen, right? How can they agree with you and give thanks also? How can he? Because he doesn't understand what you say. For in verse, verse 17 when he says, For it, you indeed give thanks well. In other words, yeah, you may give thanks in a great way, in this incredible way with your praying in tongues, but the other person's not blessed. The other person's not edified. The other person's not built up. They can't say, Amen. Yeah, They can't say, hey, praise the Lord to what you've just prayed because they have no clue what you said. You know, just, just last uh, Wednesday night, I, I love our time of worship and prayer because people pray different prayers. And I'll tell you what, um, I, I love it because it's the Holy Spirit ministering to all of us. Uh, I'll, I'll pray and then someone else prays and then what someone else prays it's like wow that ministers to me that even speaks to me or someone else prays something else and inside I'm going yeah amen yes Lord yeah I'm right there with them and the, that's how the Holy Spirit moves and that's the idea here with with tongues if there's not interpretation how could someone say amen with that you know I, I was thinking about when I was at this um pastor prayer meeting in Kauai. A lot of us Calvary pastors went to Kauai and, and we got together just to seek the Lord and pray and worship. And, and in the middle of this one prayer meeting, uh, and we did worship on that, uh, the, the, the pastor who did the worship picked up the guitar and started singing in tongues. And this was the first time I really experienced that, that with the guitar and everything. But I'll tell you right away, another pastor started giving the interpretation of it. So it's really beautiful. It was this tongue singing and this interpretation with the music going on. And, and it, it, it was the first time I really experienced anything like that. And, and it was beautiful. And you know what? I could, with them, say, Amen. Praise the Lord. So now, verse 18, Paul says, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Again, Paul's not saying, I'm not putting tongues down. I'm not saying it's so wrong or you shouldn't be doing that. No. He's just saying, hey, listen, I, I'm glad that I, I speak, you know, tongues more than you all. But you know what? He has self-control with it. You know what? He knows he's sticking to his own these principles, actually, what he's putting out, you know, it's for, uh, in our worship service, it's for edification. In our worship service, and what he's talking about now, it's for understanding, for comprehension. So he says in verse 19, Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. I love that. Paul's like, you know, I... I I, I speak tongues more than all of you. And maybe, maybe he could say that because he probably prays more than everybody, you know, there, right? I mean, the gift of tongues, and, and your, it's your personal prayer language. I mean, primarily that's what it is, right? You know, when you're with the Lord and you're in the Devo times, right? It's you and the Lord, and it's the Holy Spirit, and you're praying in tongues. And probably Paul is saying, hey, but you know what? In church... In church, I'd rather speak five words with understand that people would understand me, that I could teach others than 10,000 words in an uncomprehending tongue. Paul was not into impressing others like the Corinthians. He would rather be a blessing, not impressing. So he'd rather sp speak in a tongue that everyone could understand. You know, I, I came across this um, church in South Africa, and, and I, I, I don't know, this is, this is the name of their church, Worship Altar Ministries International. And they had this YouTube video, and, and the title of the video was this, 
four hours Holy Ghost prayer in tongues, part one. And, and it just intrigued me when I saw that. I go, well, I got to see this, right? So I was watching it, and, and I just watched a few minutes, and I fast forward, and it was basically the same thing. There's people walking back and forth, and they were praying in tongues. And then there was one guy well, on a mic praying in tongues going like this way. They're just walking around, and it was just that. And it was the same thing. I fast forward, fast forward. It was the same thing. Maybe they switched the guy on the mic. But four hours, and that was part one. There was a part two. And then there was a, 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 another video, yeah, that, that they posted, you know, on their, their channel. And the title of, of, they had even another one. The title was this, 12 Hours Praying in Tongues, the full version. So I, 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 can you imagine that service? I, I really don't think this is what Paul meant here. And I think in that sense, there was some confusion going on in that church service. So Paul saying this, and this is our last point, in the church service, have a concern for comprehension. It's more helpful to speak in a, I would say, tongue, quote, unquote, everyone can understand. In the church service, have a concern for comprehension. It's more helpful to speak in a tongue everyone can understand. Paul's being very clear here, and he's trying to correct some crazy things that have been going on in the church. And we're going to see more later. I was thinking about um, our daughter, Jenea. She's going to be uh, 18 years old this month. <laughs> I feel old. But I remember when Kristen and uh, I were wondering, you know, Kristen was wondering if she was pregnant. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, we were talking. She, she told me, oh, I don't know. I think I might be pregnant. And the next morning in my devotions, I happened to be in the Psalms. We're reading through the Psalms. And I happened to be in Psalms 127. I was reading 127, 128 in my devotional reading. And I read verses, and they're like, uh, Psalm 127.3 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And I'm thinking, whoa. And then I read in, in Psalm 128, verse 3, Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in, in the very heart of your house, your children like olive plants all around your table. And so I'm reading this, right? When I got done reading the, uh, Psalm 128, these two psalms, right at that moment, the Lord gave me a word of prophecy. You know what he told me? Kristen is pregnant, and the baby is going to be a girl. So I, 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 I turned to Kristen, and I said, you know what? You are pregnant. The Lord just told me, and it's going to be a girl. And for us, that was amazing because we had two boys already, you know. It's nice to have the girl. And, and, and I told her, and, and we rejoice in that. And even more, you know, you, you could imagine the amazement in our heart was when we saw the ultrasound, and she was a girl, the baby was a girl. It was like, you know, exactly what the Lord said. I was thinking about that. What if after the Lord told me this, I turned to Kristen and spoke in my prayer language? <laughs> She'd go, What? Oh, no, oh, sorry, sorry. And then I spoke to her in Japanese. <laughs> you go, you're weird, you know, kind of thing, right? It would not help at all. She would not be able to rejoice with me. It would be more about me, right? But it helped her when I spoke in a language she could understand. And that's what brought the joy. If God has gifted you in tongues, do you speak it for a show? I have to tell you, that's what the Corinthians did. Or is it really your personal, you know, private devotional prayer language? Let, let's take a step back. In general, right, do we even have a concern for comprehension? In other words, that people would understand us and what we're saying. I mean, we're supposed to be lights for Jesus, right? We're supposed to be there for one another, and, and we should be 
thinking our, our, trying to do our best in communicating the truth of God to others. I think there's situations in our lives where our communication isn't too great. <laughs> I know it is for me. <laughs> and so people and, you know, family and my wife doesn't understand me. And a lot of times that's the reason for some, some splits in relationships because of miscommunication. The thing is, do we care about that? Do we have a concern, right, that we're communicating, that uh, what we're saying is, is com- uh, can be, you know, comprehended? I know sometimes we get lazy in our communication. Sometimes we, we're just tired. Sometimes, oh, yeah, we just talk without thinking, yeah. But we got to have a concern here. I read this so many times it just ends up like what someone said. I know you believe you understand what you think I said, but I'm not sure you realize that what you heard is not what I meant. (laughs) What we've seen now, when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy is better than tongues. For you can comprehend what God is saying, and then you'll be built up. It brings education. But it's not totally wrong to speak a word in a tongue because if God prompts you there's an interpretation that will bring a blessing but Paul saying be careful in what you're focusing on remember what I said the Corinthians are overemphasizing the tongues underemphasizing say prophecy those things that edify and we too can get off focus I'm going to close with how one mother wrote this story on this very thing. She wrote, Returning home one afternoon with my two daughters, Kimberly, age two, and Christy, six months, I pulled into my driveway and stopped to check the mailbox. But when I returned to the car, I found Kimberly had pushed the locks down on both doors and I had left the key in the ignition. For an hour, I tried to explain to Kimberly how to pull up the door handle. I was on the verge of tears. My husband wasn't home, and since we live in the country, there were no neighbors to help. Well, in the middle of that desperate situation, the mother writes, Finally, Kimberly stood up and softly tapped on the window. As I looked down at her, she said, Mommy, do you want me to roll down the window? Well, all along, yeah, Kimberly knew what to do, yeah, where the mom was focused on the locks. Well, like the Corinthian believers, their focus was not on something that would work better than the gift of tongues. So let's do that also. Let's look for what is more helpful in this area of prophecy, tongues, and the worship service. Let's pray.